I've been through two gas shortages in my career and one before my career. The United States, generally speaking, not everyone, we like big cars. We like big cars. We like big engines. Not everyone, but higher than other countries. We don't need bigger cars than anyone else. It's just for some reason, the trucks and SUVs, those type of things really appeal to the American public. Join Lewis and I this week as Jim Tierney of Gengris Motors predicts the future of electric vehicles using his 37 years of experience in the auto industry, where he discusses the limitations of mass EV adoption and the strategies for the big American automakers and what they will use to unseat Tesla as the market leader. Jim is the COO of one of the largest dealerships in the Northeast that sells thousands of cars each year and uniquely understands what customers want when shopping for their next vehicle. Welcome to What I See, the podcast where we uncover the stories of visionaries, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore the big ideas and challenges shaping our future. And now our hosts, Mark O'Donnell and Lewis Schiff. Hey, Mark, how are you? All right, Lewis, how about you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Yeah. We're super excited about this topic today that we have. Electric vehicles or electric cars or category leaders in general, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. So I just wanted to point out that I'm sporting my brand new track suit today, which is purchased just yesterday. I, I'm in Portland visiting a friend, and I had lunch with one of my former students who runs a really big digital marketing business here in Portland. And at the end of lunch, he says, Hey, do you want to go to the Adidas company store? I've got a pass. And so oh, just, you nice. know, 50% off everything. So <laughs> did you get some Yeezys also? I, they did not have a Yeezy section at the Adidas <laughs> company store. I could have looked at the dumpsters in the back, maybe. Yeah, maybe the one point, <laughs> whatever billion dollars of inventory that is going unsold. <laughs> But I did use the the, the fifty percent discount and the moment to finally invest in a in a in a genuine tracksuit, and I can't. Is that really an it. investment, or is that just you know? It, it was a it was a psychological investment. It was a reintroduction <laughs> of my personality. Nice, nice. It, I, it was an embrace I, of who I, I am. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I still think you need the gold chain. I mean, just to complete the whole entire look, you need that long lost Beastie Boy look. Well, I'm not sure we're taking comments in our podcast, but I would love to hear from our listeners if they think that Mark and I should get matching tracksuits. <laughs> that would definitely be a good poll to run. And I have a feeling that they're going to say absolutely yes. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. So something to look forward to. Christmas is coming. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right. So, Mark, the topic that I was excited to talk to you about today is it's, it's you know, instigated or provoked by what we're seeing in the electric vehicle market or really the automobile industry. <clears throat> and uh, numbers are coming up fast and furious. The, the numbers of adoption of EVs in America, the numbers of various auto manufacturers who are making huge commitments to this segment. Almost everybody having to ask themselves, will my next car be a combustion engine or an EV? And then they have the reasons why. And... Then the thought, the thing I saw that was so interesting, and you don't see often nowadays in our inflationary times, is that all of a sudden various manufacturers start cutting prices. And I just got to thinking, first of all, it's been, you know, 10, 15 years we've been watching Tesla emerge as, a, as an entity, maybe 10 years. And it's just very rare to see a whole new category emerge that, that changes everything and that becomes woven into our daily life, especially something as important as, a, as an automobile. 
And it's sure. so interesting to watch. And they're absolutely a category creator. Now, there are some electric vehicles prior to Tesla, but ultimately they've created the category of electric vehicles that people want, or at least they did want. I'm not sure. I'm sure they do now because they are still shipping 200,000 plus vehicles on a regular basis, which is a huge leap. And as a category creator, I think they have about 65% of the total electric vehicle market share, which is really, if you are a category creator, 65% market share is a pretty typical number. Tesla does an interesting thing too, is they completely bypass the dealership structure that existing car companies have. And so there's all these different constituencies, labor unions, all those types of things. They skip over all of that to deliver. They also have the entire supply chain locked down for electric, for batteries, right? I mean, with lithium and all the different raw materials where existing companies or new entrants into that market, they don't have that supply chain set up. Right. But, you know, GM and Ford and Chrysler and other car companies around the world, Mercedes, et cetera, these are powerful and super smart companies. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're going to sit and watch this category, you know, drip through their fingers there. And when they got, when they got focused on it, you know, you're seeing tons of really, really interesting cars come out to the point where, yeah, Tesla's the leader, but if you're in that market or think about that market, you know, now you have 10 companies to choose from instead of one. Right. For sure. For sure. And the, yeah. the other thing too, if you notice that Ford, they split out, their combustion engine business with their, or should say from their electric vehicle business, because they realized that the mindsets, the the way a technology firm operates is completely different from their legacy business, which is another hurdle though, that even though they are big and powerful, but they move really slowly and they have all of these these businesses that are set up around their organization that prevents them from being as nimble and responsive as a company like Tesla. So now the larger topic, I mean this is this we're going to we have a wonderful guest that a colleague of yeah. Mark's joining us, but the wonderful the, the the thing I want us to all think about is it's a kind of a, a constant business lesson that you should find a way to enter your into your marketplace where there's enough of a dif- distinction between you and your competitors that when you charge a price, you're not super commoditized. You're not just competing and trying to beat your competitors by one penny or one dollar, but that you do something genuinely better and genuinely different and genuinely unique that you can more or less determine what value you have to the marketplace and then get the maximum value. And that's like a business lesson we've all been watching Tesla go through. So maybe we should bring on uh, your guest, Mark. Yeah, sounds good. All right. So our guest is Jim Tierney, who's the COO or integrator of Jengrus Motors. And they are a uh, dealerships in Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, with 450 employees, Honda, BMW, Chevy, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Harley Davidson, Ford, VW, Volvo. He sells it all. And so (laughs) welcome to the show, Jim. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's a, we were just talking before you started, Jim, just about the kind of collection of badges that dealers sell sometimes. And, and yeah. I, can't, I can't always figure out why that collection comes together, but it sounds complicated. 
yeah, it's, it, it, you'll see more and more of that as, as the economy changes, more consolidation. So I have a question. I kind of want to get to you as a business thinker during the course of this conversation, but I, just to start as an automobile industry guy, are you optimistic about your industry? Very much so. Yeah, very, very much. It's been even through what anyone would have thought would have been crippling times of chips and pandemic. It was some of our really, really successful years. Yeah. Did you imagine that in the course? Have you been an automobile guy for a long time? 37 years. Right out of so, college. Okay. So you're a lifer. Yep. Did you imagine that your, you know, I mean, of course you couldn't imagine it 37 years ago, but even 10 years ago, did you imagine that your industry would be utterly upended by a new technology like this? No, I mean, I've seen a few changes. You know, I was here when, when there was no leasing and then there was leasing and that was a big change. And I would say this one is, is going to impact similar, but the hype of electric versus the reality of it is, is a little bit disconnected in the U.S., so a lot of people are, are betting on the come and, and hoping this works out. And uh, for us, we sell about 8,000 cars a year. And we're projected this year to sell 180 electric. Huh. Not by That's choice, by, by availability mostly. Yeah. You know, there's certain products that I have that I have 200 orders on that I'll get to a year. So well, that must be frustrating. That's a weird parody for, for the consumer. It puts them in a really tough spot. Right, and, we're, and none of us are used to going to very large companies like, let's say, a GM or something and being told, yeah, sorry, we can't sorry. give you what you want. Yeah, especially for a regular non-sports car type of event. Yeah. Just on that, that note with availability, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal the other day that there's a, a waiting list of 80,000 people wait and they stopped the list for Hummers. And because of supply chain issues, only they can only produce about 12 cars a day. Yeah. And at that rate, I mean, you can just imagine that it's not even a product. It's it's just not even a thing because you can't even get it out. And they, they first put it on in the Super Bowl in 2020, I think mm -hmm. it was 2020 or 2021 with LeBron James, and they can't even make them, mm -hmm. which then takes me to the lithium as a key ingredient to in the, in the chemistry of electric vehicle battery. We need to increase our production by about 10x to meet That's demand. Right. And That's right. You just can't get it. So it's just, this is almost no. not a thing, but it's interesting anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some really big hurdles. I think the number one hurdle is range, range anxiety, they call it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really about charging anxiety. I can go and get gas in seven minutes, right? Swipe my card, not talk to anyone, I'm in and out. When you go to charge your, a good story is one of my owners took one of the first Ford's keys and he said, I'm going to go pick my son up in college about a 175 miles. I'll get there and back. I've got just about the range, but I'll stop somewhere and pick it up. Well, he stopped like five different places. And some of the places were charging like two miles of, of use per hour. Half of them were broken. Some were not in the location. They said, we ended up towing the car back to the dealership because he couldn't get home. Wow. So really, the, 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 the thing is more about range and less range and where can I charge it and how long will that take? And a, a problem with that is when we retrofit a dealership just for us, put in two chargers for service and two chargers outside for customers and us, that's a $600,000 investment. 
Well, you're doing super fast chargers. Super fast chargers. And the idea of charging at home, depending on your house, is two to $5,000 of, of charging. So it becomes problematic. And then people are forgetting that when they plug in a car to their home, it's 18 to $28 to charge your car. Yeah, that's true. So there, there's, with that. there, there's some, there's some. But Jim, if you don't mind me saying this, because I, I don't know you, I just met you. Yeah. So you could punch me in the nose through wow. this screen. You're welcome to. You sound like a guy who's saying, you know, you know, these are the problems right now. That's yeah. why we shouldn't look into the future. I mean, no, of course, no, these are the problems right now. Supply chains, chips, yeah. charging. But the future is really at stake. I believe the future will be electric. You know, hydrogen has been out there, that idea for a long time as well. But I, my, my biggest fear is I don't how long it's going to take for the private sector to get involved with charging units or the government to force it to to have it feasible and you know in california urban environment yeah absolutely new england environment or a cold environment or or montana where i drive a great distance to go get groceries those will be slower I, but i think in the, you know miami you know the the concentrated areas it's going to take off pretty good yeah um, for larger sure. thing I hear sometimes people talk about is that if we now this is a, a, a U.S. kind of conversation, which is why the federal government should get involved, is that if we can be the leaders in battery technology, it's not just about cars at all. It's about it's got military or national yeah. defense implications yeah, sure. that Both. if we if we are collectively buying EVs, cars that you know we can use to buy our groceries, we're also advancing a larger national interest. I think that's a great thought. I don't think the public really adheres to that. And I'll tell you why. I've been through two gas shortages in my career and one before my career. The United States, generally speaking, not everyone, we like big cars. We like big cars. We like big engines. Not everyone, but higher than other countries. We don't need bigger cars than anyone else. It's just for some reason, the trucks and SUVs, those type of things really appeal to the American public. I think that's part of the reason why Tesla has been so successful, because we do, as Americans, like big, fast things. Mm -hmm. And I've driven a Tesla Model X in insane yeah. mode or and it is right. you know, it's yeah. everything, everything that you you would want in a ridiculously yeah. fast vehicle. But I think all of the if, if you would go back historically when cars, the gasoline engines were starting. There was no distribution network for gasoline. There was right. none of those things that existed. And, and it, it possessed the same goals and barriers to adoption that electric vehicles have now, just maybe on a much larger yeah. scale than before. Then you, you start to think about the pricing. And Lewis, you're talking about, okay, we have Tesla. They created this category. We have all of these big auto manufacturers who have lots of power, lots of manufacturing capacity. They have humongous supply chains. And you would think that they'd be able to easily flip the switch. And for a little bit, they competed on price with Tesla. Mm -hmm. And, but with all the things that you said, Jim, with the obstacles and barriers to fast adoption, I'm wondering if the willingness to pay for an electric vehicle is actually coming down. And that is why, and Tesla knows that and they see that. Do you mean a willingness to pay a premium or, or a willingness to pay at all? Right. A willingness to pay at all. My brother <laughs> lives in Dallas or he, he, he floats around, but he was outside of Dallas and they had their, that huge 
ice storm a little while ago, maybe it was last winter, and all of his neighbors have Teslas. And at around day three, they knock on his door and they're like, hey, we need to get groceries because we can't charge our cars and the battery because of the cold that all ran out. Can we use your Ford Explorer to go get groceries? And all of a sudden, he's the only one in the neighborhood with a gas engine and they can't go get groceries because their batteries are dead and there's no power. So I think those types of things are creating a temporary reduction in the willingness to pay for a customer and that's forcing Tesla to lower their price. I think a couple of things are happening. I think one is electric car is kind of a two car family choice. Many people that have two cars are more likely to take the plunge for sure and do one electric and one regular for a lot of reasons. And I think on the on the pricing, to, to be honest, a couple things happened with Tesla. One, great product. Can't say anything about that. Great design, simplistic, good lines, nice looking car. Three, a person that you want to be associated with. Elon, you you know, there's a good part of population that wants sure. to be with Tom Brady, right? And there's, right. you know, mm-hmm. that's a person you aspire to 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 be part be of. The Apple of cars, in a way. Yeah. Yes, but you you'll get a big bump in the beginning. But to your point, what happens as disruptors or copiers or other people say, "Hey, there's a mar- there's room in the market for all of us," and I think that the the equalizer will be there's one brand. And I'm not trying to self-promote it because I, I don't have any to sell that will shake it the most will be General Motors and Chevrolet. They're talking about everything that they're talking about giving us to sell is under 40000 Right. Mm-hmm. That it's, changes the game. No, the Volvos are 60000 for a very small car. And, and many of the BMWs are, you know, 80, 100, 150000 whatever you want to spend. But that's where it's that's where it's going to change things, I think, for Tesla. Now it becomes an every person car a little bit quicker. I, I think about when I think about this topic, I think, you know, this you'll get this flood of for I don't know if you guys read uh, Harvard Business Review magazine, but they have these fairly generic headlines like, you know, is it time for change or, you know, what makes a great leader? And then, of course, in your industry, <laughs> in your industry, it's real complicated. It's lots of details. Um, but what do you think are the big HBR, Harvard Business Review lessons that the automobile industry is taking on right now? In terms of electric, I think they've got it kind of right. They let someone else lead. They, they sold their Tesla's the number one luxury brand, beat Mercedes and BMW this year for the first time. Those two battled for that market. They built, they did 500,000 plus units at retail this year. I think they, the, the lesson that they learned is that there there is an opportunity in the market for this. It's a long game, not a short game. It's definitely coming. It let someone else do all the hard work with the government. Yeah. And then they were able to use that to, you know, they, they all have rules on how much gas mileage each car can get. And this solves some of that as well. And for them to sit back and let it play out a little bit was probably financially a very good term. Because you mean, both, you're talking about the big three? Right early. The big Chevy three sitting back? What's that? The big three sitting back and letting Tesla sort of figure it all out? I think so. I mean, Chevy had the Volt for years. And, you know, before I ever even heard of Tesla, we had the Chevy Volt. So I think they just didn't have the right message and leader to get it going. So it was good for them to let somebody break it open. Mm-hmm. Do you think the automobile industry is as 
disrupting, I mean, as like volatile, as changing, as fluid as any other industry. If you think, I think I'm not even sure I can think of an industry that's, you know, even a smartphone these days and the kind of the innovations kind of slowed down. What industry is as, as, as bubbly as the auto industry right now? Yeah, I don't, that's a good question. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I think for the auto industry, it is the manufacturers have never got behind a change as much as they have this into a dark hole, meaning they there there's no path yet. Hmm. You know, there's no correct path. There's no, are we going to be 25% electric like other countries? Is that the tipping number? And when will we get there? Will we get there? I think we will get there. And then it's going to be what, do I see a time in the next 20 years, well, let's say the next 10, that half the cars that are electric on the road? I do not. Hmm. It's just too much material out there, too many used cars out there, too much wealth in, in the vehicles out there to just start scrapping these cars unless some huge government program like Cash for Clunkers that we had years ago comes in <laughs> and the government says, I will write the check and eliminate all these gas cars. I don't right. see that, but I do see... You know, in 10 years, could it be 50-50? Absolutely. It's just, I don't think they've, we, we haven't figured out, the, they haven't figured out how to handle climate, larger cars, towing, some things we do with our cars versus regular basic transportation yet. The, bat, the battery really hasn't changed much. It's been 300 mile range, plus or minus 40 miles for a long time. I keep waiting for someone to say, I have 500 mile range. Right. And that's a game changer for most states other than, yeah. Yeah. And I also think that from a supply chain perspective, you you have the lithium problems, hard to get yeah. to. Last week, Iran says, hey, we just found the second largest deposit outside of Chile for lithium. Well, that's that's fine. That's great. But guess what? We can't get to it. And mm -hmm. we have no capacity to go mine it. And we'd have to build it all from scratch. Then we have no roads or infrastructure to transport it. And then it has to go via the, you know, the Persian Gulf. And then now you have that supply chain. Well, geopolitically, have you, you have issues. And then, you know, they can't, we can't actually make this transition as fast right. as anybody would like it because the supply chain for all the, yeah. so you'd have to have tremendous innovation in battery technology for electric cars to really meet the demands of what people are saying and wanting it to be. Yeah. <laughs> it can't go fast because we, it just won't, there's constriction on the supply forever. Yeah, but I, I think you're underestimating, you know, the power of thousands of entrepreneurs like Jim who are saying, you know, hey, if I can figure this out, if I can get more cars, if I can come up with a way to get something that I can sell, I mean, Entrepreneurs are so good at uh, figure. you know, just a few years ago, we had a significant disruption with China as a provider. I'm going, I'm pre-COVID, mm -hmm. just the tariffs. And we just saw entrepreneurs just coming up with such innovative ways to manage their supply chain. All of them, you know, tens of thousands of them looking for pennies here and there and scra scraping those pennies together <coughs> and really innovating a lot. The, the issue, too, though, is with that, Lewis, is that there's always alternatives. There is an alternative that is arguably better, more convenient and cheaper than an electric vehicle. And so from a strategic perspective as an entrepreneur, you know, what does someone really want? They want to go from point A to point B and they want to look good doing it. We can solve that. In fact, we've already solved that. So the alternatives for that 
I, I totally agree that the human ingenuity is what creates abundance in the in the world. You'd have to restrict to just you can only transport yourself from point A to point B using an electric vehicle. Then we would solve all of the those issues. But the the alternatives are too easy and readily available. I, th- I, I you know I think any kind of natural resource like this somebody's going to find a way in some country somehow to produce, get a, you know, a huge amount of these resources available one way or another. And then you've got our government that wants it. And then you've got other governments that want to make the money from it at, at any yeah. cost. And that, that's some of the problems too, the ethics of how this stuff is mined. Right. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. Well, if that ever, if that, if the, common with children ever gets educated to how this is going that could put a put a, a hamper for a little bit if they're not doing mm-hmm. it correctly which no one you know you see the reports that they're not doing it correctly and i don't know yeah no you're right about that when you you mentioned earlier that chevy for example is really driving hard all of the big traditional manufacturers yeah. are they serious about this market or are they uh, sort of playing to the story of the week or the year uh, you know, it's funny. I wrote down before we got on the call, who's in it to win it and who's in it to just be careful to not be out. So hmm. Honda's not in it. W's in it to win it. Chevrolet, definitely. Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, not yet. Volvo's all in it to win it. They want to be all electric. Wagon's in it. Ford is definitely in it. Subaru's not. Toyota, The, the we had a conversation last week when we were going to write the check to do all these electrification, millions of dollars at a dealership. And we were saying... Let's think about it. Who's one of the best brands? Toyota. Where are they? They're not in it. And now they just announced last week that they're going to get in it. But that is, you know, why would someone that successful and that smart, that many smart people on the board have stayed out of it? Which is. Yeah, so what, so what's the, what do you, what, how do you read it? I mean, you've got, uh, I, you just mentioned eight or so really, really smart yeah. companies that are split on mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I, I read it that you're making a mistake if you're not in it. And by next year, they will all be in it. No one wants to get left. No one wants to be the CEO that got left behind, so to speak, you know. Now, let me let me ask you, this is a delicate question, Jim. Th- those of us of a certain age, mm-hmm. when, when someone says, you know, this is going to happen in 10 years from now, this is going to be amazing. And some of us say, yeah, but I'm not going to be doing this in 10 years. I mm-hmm. don't have to be part of it. Yeah. So you obviously the executives who run all these big car companies and even the executives who run your dealership network are probably of a certain age. Sure. How much is career career management figuring into whether they should really dive into this or not? I, th- I think it's at that point they're so high up and it financially they're secure. So I think it's more about them not wanting their legacy to be the guy that missed out. You know, I know for me I, that's you know with ten years left or whatever. I, I would never want to make a decision where I look back and said, that's my legacy. He's the guy that didn't do that. <laughs> He's the guy who said it was going to be uh, wind <laughs> power. That's right. We're never going to fly. Planes will never work. <laughs> right, right. Right. But you have to make decisions and sacrifices today for that vision for 10 years from now. Yeah. And, and I, I, yeah. Think they can, I think they can have both, which is one, their wealth and income and prosperity, and two, Put the money in there again. They're not. They're putting money out there, but not. It's not like they're abandoning their old model. That sure. part is still turning and and keeping them afloat, and they're just reinvesting. Yeah. 
I mean, for gosh sakes, there's there's gas stations in every corner everywhere. So that that is just a network that is just virtually unmatchable. If they can get it where everything I think you'll get to a point within 10 years where it's almost a charging system where you don't plug in, where you almost park over it. We'll right, probably yeah. get to some technology like that or some automatic plugging that the wife doesn't even have touched the cord or anything like that. And you can get charged in eight or 10 minutes. Yeah. It's a 300 yeah. mile range. That's a game changer. That'll open the floodgates and it'll just take off. So that's really yeah. about convenience and ubiquity. Like these are the two things that make yeah. things possible. Yeah. Cause the car is phenomenal. There's, you know, I've driven every single car from Ferrari down an electric car, like you talked about, my brother has that Model X. He bought the first one available. Mm -hmm. They're unbelievable. It, would you buy a $30,000 electric car or you buy a $150,000? they are a joy to drive. Now, in the executives you come across, whether it's through the distribution or the dealership network or the manufacturers and or the other folks, describe the executive who's leading this charge. I mean, describe their personality. You know, who's, who's the right... Well, in, automo in automobile, it's all type A, you know, I'm the greatest, I'm the biggest at the manufacturing level. They just, you know, it's a, it's all the market, everything is market share, market share, market share. That's all that really powers them every single day when they get up. Right. But there's not too many Elon Musks around who, who totally reimagine everything. No, no. You, you know, like myself, I'm the first person to say I never had an original thought in my life but I am the best copier of the best thoughts ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, many, there are not many people that have an original thought that, that can execute on it. It's, it's special individual with special timing and, and a lot of circumstance come together. For sure. These, these existing players, when you're talking about not only the, the leadership that you, you have these two types of organizational focus. You have an exploitation leadership focus or organizational focus where you have this existing business and you're just going to make it yeah. better, faster, cheaper. You're driving for market share. And then you have this exploration mindset mm -hmm. in organizational focus where it's all about creating new products, new services, going after new markets. And when you have this inside an organization, they can't really come together and play very well in no. at the same time because the the value in those businesses are in the exploitation components of it. So if you're Ford, you're GM, your entire value is in how fast, how efficient you can produce a gas powered car and sell it as quickly but as possible. But so actually, there's, both of those comments you made are together, and neither can exist without the other. In the car business, it used to be 15 year life cycle of a model. Now it's like three years. You, if you're not if you're not an innovator in, in in creating new models in the car business now, even in gasoline, you're you're left out very quickly. The, the public yeah. wants a, the, the next best thing. It's not like our parents that said, I'm a Chevy truck driver and that's what I'll drive to the day I die. That's gone. Brand loyalty is not as prevalent as it was. Mm -hmm. And these guys are innovators for sure. Maybe not in the powertrain so much in the, this big change electric gas, but their whole job is how many new products they can bring out, how quickly, because that's what drives market share now. 
Wouldn't you say it is still incremental? Yeah, it, it's survival. It, it really, everyone is trying to at least hold on to their market share because they know they can be successful at that. And then if they can pick up a point or two, that's great too. There's nobody that's trying to say, I have 10% market share and I want to get to 30. They don't, I don't think they think that way. Right. Uh, Tesla is sitting at 65 already in the EV market. I mean, in the EV, which is still yeah. a small, you know, yeah, for sure. They're starting to, li they're starting to listen because it's 500,000 units. Before then it was, yeah, that's great. If these, you know, maybe you build a car that can go to space at the same time. So what, you know, they, they weren't worried. Yeah, so I, I do want to comment on Toyota because they, they've just announced, you know, that they're going into the EV market and they haven't for a while. They have a new yeah. CEO and he's pushing yeah. for that. But when you think about the penguin problem, right, if you're familiar with the penguin problem, people, penguins, they, they go all the way to the edge of the ice mm -hmm. and they all pile up there and they're looking down and they're looking yep. for any seals or, or whales or sharks or anything that's going to eat them. And eventually one's going to go in, they all look down and they're like, hmm, he made it. And then they yeah. all jump in and they go, go fishing. I mean, Tesla has solved the penguin problem with the market for electric vehicles. And now all the penguins are driving in. It'll be curious to see how that turns out. Well, you know, the other thing is, is it solved or not? Like what's the, what is the real take rate for electric right now? If there were all the cars that you could buy right now, if everybody could fill all their dreams right now and go on Amazon and their electric cars there tomorrow, <laughs> would we be at 25% or would we be at 10%? I don't, I don't, you know, it's like during the pandemic, everyone said there was a car shortage. I always said there was not a car shortage. There has always been too many cars up until the pandemic. We finally have the right amount of cars for the minor amount of people that want to purchase a car. There is no shortage. Well, that's 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 what a, a person who sells cars for a living would say. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> wants parity <laughs> for one because yeah. I, I used to stock a seven month supply. Who needs to stock a seven month supply of spaghetti or anything? Yeah, it's right. abnormal. It's not a good business plan for anyone. Yeah. Jim, we're gonna we have to take off, but I have two questions I want to ask you. And yeah. Mark, of course, if you have questions, one is let's just use the number ten years from now. Ten years from now, where will Tesla be? In this, will it be important? Will it be the leader? I. It will depend if he continues to come out with new body styles and product. If he doesn't then he'll fall victim to anyone that has an in the industry that says, well, it's the same car. I've already had it twice. I, my buddy already had one. So it's going to be product driven if he can. And he doesn't talk that much about that. No. Like bringing new products. So I, I'm concerned for them for that. Okay. So that in that sense, it's that it's, it's not, you know, what's the next huge innovation to come out of Tesla. It's more like now, now you're in, you're in it with the rest of us. It's about product. But it's about colors. It's about one of us. Yeah. Yeah. My other question I want to ask is in your 37th year in your industry, how would you characterize this time of your career? Is it the most exciting, the scariest? Is it just like every other? You've seen this movie before. How do you characterize it? It is definitely the most exciting for several reasons. One, the, everyone's product is better. Which is, which is great for consumer, great for us. Two, to have a whole new venue that re brought us to the front and made it exciting again to think about, am I going to buy gas or electric? That's awesome. And because of the last few years of everyone being able to have a good business bottom line, there'll be tons of innovation and new products coming out. 
which is make it even more exciting for the next two to five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. All right, Jim. Well, thank you so much for sharing your perspective thank with you us know. on a Friday. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Thank you, guys. Have a great okay. weekend. You too. We'll thank you. That was the great Jim Tierney. Yeah. Car, car wizard. Yeah, um, right. 37 years in the same industry. You know, it's, gosh, I'm trying to uh, process the last thing he said, which is it's just going to be around, you know, does he come, does a, a huge innovator, life world-changing innovator like Tesla and like Elon Musk just come up with, you know, okay, now he's got red cars. Now he has blue cars. Now he has, you know, shiny tires. Now he has an AM FM radio. Like that's all mm-hmm. it comes down to at the end of it. That's all we want. We just want, you know, we're just all Options. Goldilocks. We just want what we want. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think you can use the analog of the smartphone world, right? You, you have, it's really, it has not been a winner take all market as people expected it to be. It's still 50 50 Android and Apple, except that Apple has 90 plus percent of the profits of that industry. And I think it'll come down to costs. You, know, you look at Tesla. And you have, and the way I kind of look at the, the the strategy here is someone's willingness to pay for that versus the cost that it, it is to produce. Sure. And Tesla is so far ahead, they can produce a car much, much cheaper with way cheaper labor. They're mm-hmm. fighting off unions and they're fighting off all those different types of things. And so therefore they have pricing power because they have such a margin delta compared to the the rest of the automobile industry. The cars are amazing and they only come in a, a few models. They, they're they about to announce another model. I think it's the Model 2, which is a, a little bit of a downgrade. And so they're gonna have pricing power. They're gonna be able to continue lowering their price and continue increasing the willingness to pay of a customer because they're gonna be faster. They're gonna be able to use that margin and that profit and spend it into new innovations, securing new supply chain. I think it would be a miracle if Tesla is not the one to solve the scarce resources around lithium. And so maybe it's it's something other, another battery technology, but you have to think because of that profit and their ability to, to produce a car at such a lower cost that they're going to be around forever. And I would be wondering who's the second because I think it's going to turn out to be a two-player game like Android and iOS. And I think Ford and Chevy, I think they're coming into the game. And I think it's an existential threat to them. And that's why they're doing it. So I'm going to, I, we will, I'm just so good that we're video, videoing this because I'm going to take the other side of this bet. Uh, what, what Jim and, you know, Chevy dealers and Honda dealers all over the country and the world know is what the customer wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you're, you're talking about like a Steve Jobs vision. Like, this is what a computer should do. This is what a phone should do. I'm not asking, I'm telling. And then you've got all the other not, manufacturers. That is not an accurate portrayal of Steve Jobs because he would hide in the bushes outside the Palo Alto Apple store and observe them. Everyone always misquotes him as saying, I'm, if I, you know, Henry Ford, if, you know, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would ask for a faster horse. Jobs did not do that, according to his biography. <laughs> but people well, like to say uh, that he did. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> but there were there were and still remain all sorts of things where, like Apple says, "Yep, yeah, we're just not doing it. We're just not doing yeah. it." Even something as simple as, 
why don't you let other people license your your operating system so that they can make their mm-hmm. own form factors? We're just not doing it. And so, of course, there's tons of Apple fans out there, but you know, PC still dominates, Android dominates, and so the other side of your bet of what Tesla looks like, I think, is the Chevys and the Fords are really, really good at knowing what the customer wants, and they will just mm-hmm. keep doing it, and they're not as beholden to a core centralized figure with a central vision. Yeah. And, and um, I would just say that they're going to go in the waste bin next to all the Kodak kiosks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. You choked me up on that one. <laughs> all right. Well, this one is – let's close the books on this one because we've got yeah. the bet on the table. Our usual bet, millions of dollars is on the table. for Track suits. Track suits. Track suits. <laughs> millions of dollars, track suits, same thing. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for hosting this yeah. great conversation with uh, Jim. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks for listening to another episode of What I See, where we explore the stories of the visionaries shaping our world. We hope you found insights and inspiration from our guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and continue to be a part of the conversation. See you next time on What I See.